Welcome to TalkEerie.com's Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast. Every day, we tackle the biggest issues that the Erie PA region faces. Stay informed and involved as we advance the narrative of Erie. Now, here's Joel Natale. Today, we're, we're focusing on K-12 and how the kids are doing. Are the kids all right, as the Rolling Stones might say, um, you, you know, uh, after a quarter of this new year? So Rick Emmerich is the superintendent of schools at the Fort LaBeouf School District, and he's live via Zoom. Thanks for coming on, Rick. Oh, Joel, thanks again for having me. It was a, a pleasure last time, and I'm looking forward to our conversation today for sure. All right. So, you know, if you were to think about these first several weeks of the children being back in class, what would what kind of grade would you give it? What's the how's the experience for the kids and for the teachers? I think emotionally for me and and many of our teachers and administrators, (laughs) I'd give it a grade of F. I think that for us, it's been it's been a tough ride. and It's been very challenging. Uh, I think we all were very, very hopeful that we had swam out of COVID-19 in the summer, at least the beginning of the summer, was indicating that we might have been able to do that. Uh, But as you know, July rolled around and we started to get indications that things were not going to start as planned. And we were essentially back to square one about where we ended at the the close of last school year. Um, So good news is we had a year under our belt and I think we were prepared for that. Uh, But I don't think emotionally, uh, I think it's been a long ride here, and I don't know if anybody will ever be prepared for how taxing it is on on our teachers and our families. So l- let's let's go through what we're requiring of the teachers these days, because some yeah. schools were, have been doing the synchronous. You know what's going on in the classroom is going on online. Where is Fort LaBeouf in all of that, or or are you doing a different st- a strategy? As we did last year, we we. Uh, came into this and every school district within our region did came into it this year with face-to-face instruction with an option for online learning. We do have two options here at Fort LaBeouf. One is through two different vendors uh, and the other one is a synchronous platform in which our own instructors are teaching live lessons simultaneously uh, with students in the classroom and students online. Uh, it, definitely a learning experience, not something that we have been accustomed to. We had very little time to prepare for that. But I got to tell you, our teachers have been fantastic. They've really stepped up to to address the needs of those students who have elected to stay at home for this year. It's interesting. I'm even hearing, uh, you know, almost like a different hybrid where it's still the school district, it's still the same curriculum, yet uh, they have online teachers and they have in-person teachers. It's, it, there's, like, there's so many different ways you can do this, it sounds like. Yeah, we, we, we opted to test drive, I guess is the best term that I can come up with now, um, a synchronous platform. So if you and I were in a classroom together, you would be sitting in person and I would be online uh, receiving the same instruction that's going on in that classroom. In so real time, right? In, in real, real time, time yeah. Yes, yes. I, I think one of the major challenges in talking with our teachers has been not only the uh, the preparation necessary to make that happen uh, being our first year. I mean, it, it sometimes takes a little time to get some strategies under your belt. Uh, and, and overall, I think the biggest challenge has been technology. Uh, we did bring on some additional staff to support technology to this year, and they have been fantastic. Uh, so we've been doing our best to try to get through that part. But it, I think with anything, technology is the greatest challenge uh, to the success of any platform like that. 
I, I, I got to ask you right at the top of the of the conversation here. Uh, many of our conversations, there was a lot of fear going into this year about learning loss. Yes. What would you say, uh, in your expert opinion, is the the state of learning loss with the children? And is it age? Is is it is it worse for little guys versus the you know secondary? Yeah, I think I think there is definitely. Um, regardless of what platform any school district decides to use, there is definitely going to be some regression in the academics of the kids. There is no comparison uh, to the academic face-to-face instruction as opposed to online. And, and maybe that's because as public educators, we're new at that. And maybe that'll improve over time. But I think we're going to be feeling um, some, na- some lasting impacts of this for quite some time. Uh, in other words, playing catch up for multiple years here with a lot of these kids. I think you had indicated, you know, which group is probably struggling the most. And I would say first would be our primary kids, our young kindergarten, first grade, secondary, second grade children. Uh, They definitely, uh, there's a lot of hands-on, there's a lot of social interaction, there's a lot of uh, reading of facial expression, just all the different social interactions that are necessary in education that, that build that foundation early on in their educational career. So I think that would probably be the group that would be uh, regressing most, and that will be a majority of where at least our resources will be focused in the years to come here for sure. When do the when do the kids in in Fort LaBeouf jump to the middle school? At what grade? Yeah, we're sixth grade begins our middle school years here. We have a six, seven, and eight. Okay, uh, so the, there were fourth graders that got their their school closed in the middle of March 2020 that never went back to school. That is very true. That is absolutely true, Joel. Um, That's got to be tough. Uh, I think it's been uh, minimal here. I think a majority of our families uh, want their children in school for the same reasons that we talked about last year. Um, you know, there's a lot. It's very complex when you start throwing uh, formulas out there to require parents to balance their schedules uh, with their school day schedule with the expectation of their child being here learning. Um, so there's that piece. Um, so yeah, a, a lot of these kids haven't had uh, that classroom experience um, to the level that we feel would be a, a good foundation to have them learn academically. Yeah, and again, when you think about it, you you know you have you're broad based, right? So you've got Robinson on the north side, and you've got uh, Mill Village, right? Isn't that? I mean, yeah. there, that's about as far as you can go in this county, right? Yeah, we cover about uh, 210 square miles, I think it is. So, you know, we've got a pretty large uh, base and, yeah. you know, it, it differs. Size of buildings different. No village very small uh, in comparison to Robinson as well as Waterford Elementary. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's it's definitely uh, been a unique circumstance facing everybody here in public ed for sure. All right. So let's, let's talk about um, – you know, as we got the first quarter going, uh, one of the things I, I, uh, that had, again, been a – had been proposed or talked about is the need for wraparounds, TSSs. Again, you guys have uh, lots of acronyms out there in, academ- in, in the education world. Um, uh, have you seen – first off, can you – do you have enough people to hire for that extra help, that teacher's aid, if you will – and uh, is it going okay? Um, I, I anticipated you were going to ask me about some of the challenges that we had this year, and I would say that probably ranks in the top three in terms okay. of shortages. And that ranges from instructional aids, like you're mentioning right now, to bus drivers, to cafeteria employees, 
even instructors uh, for that matter. You know, the biggest, probably the biggest challenge out of that group right now, aside of transportation, would be the substitute teachers. Mm. We, we do not have substitute teachers, which puts our, our staff in a situation where they're covering a great deal of time for their colleagues. And, uh, you know, that, that makes a, a very difficult day when you're planning and preparing for groups of students that you expect to be sitting in your classroom ready for instruction every day. And so it's it's been taxing for sure, Joel. No Has the the City of Erie School Board uh, set a new bar for sub uh, uh, compensation by raising the sub rates in Erie one hundred and ten percent? Yeah, I, I believe the number that I had uh, understood was two hundred twenty five dollars a day. Um, currently, our sub rate is eighty five dollars a day for the first fourteen days, and then we we up that to ninety five, and then. We do have uh, opportunities for substitute teachers who come in who may be uh, stepping right in for a teacher and will be there for a, a long-term situation, which we would pay $150 a day. Um, so yeah, they, they have definitely uh, uh, changed the dynamic of the market with that, uh, with that increase in wage. I think Mill Creek also increased theirs to $125, I believe. Um, so there definitely is Obviously, I think every school district out there is probably having that discussion now because that is impactful of all of us. I mean, two twenty-five a day—that's a—that's uh, fifty grand. That's uh, twenty twenty thousand above the median income in this in this county. Yeah, I, I think it's a reflection of how how desperate we really are. Mm-hmm. I, I think that um, you know it, it's a situation where we have to do our best to continue instruction, and for a lot of reasons, sometimes it's quarantine. Uh, sometimes it's childcare for a staff member who might have a child at home who is, who is ill. Yeah. Um, there's just a lot of different factors that play into that, that has, has led to, uh, increased absence. And, and, you know, I, I think COVID's probably the biggest culprit in that entire formula. Do you think that you and your colleagues in this, in the superintendent's office are dealing with issues of like, Hey, we may have to have. Uh, a higher teacher-student ratio to navigate these workforce issues. Yeah, I think that's probably in the discussion. I mean, we've worked really hard here at our district to make sure that our class sizes are manageable. I think, uh, you know, I think there is research out there, particularly at the primary grades, that will show you that lower class sizes lead to greater achievement results. So we try to to stay away from that to the best of our ability. Um, you know, uh, COVID has changed that. I think the financial landscape has also changed that. You know, uh, public education funding is not what it used to be. And I think all school districts out there are facing their own challenges, exactly what you're saying. And class sizes is often central to that conversation. Uh, before we go to our break, I, I want to ask you, um, I, I would imagine that you are receiving uh, American Rescue Plan funds. What we were are. some of the ideas that, that you are using that for? Yeah, um, one of the most critical pieces to that was there is a percentage of that that has to be dedicated to learning loss. You had talked earlier or mentioned earlier about how we're going to get these kids caught up. And, and we are dedicating uh, teachers at each one of our buildings who are specializing in, in just that. Uh, reviewing the performance data of our kids and focusing in and honing in on on ways to get them at least back up to grade level or at least to the benchmark within our curriculum to where we were hoping they would be. Um, That's tough to do. I know a lot of school districts out there have done summer school. They've done after school. Uh, We shied away from that 
because we felt that uh, the pandemic has, has really taken its toll on, on families and we wanted to give them that opportunity over the summer and, and even after school to be able to do things that, that we once all enjoyed without you know, considering the restrictions that are associated with that now. So uh, we've really honed in on, on, the, uh, on the learning loss piece to that. Schools have never been great vectors of of spread. They're not super spreader events to go to your English class, right? I mean, it just isn't. No, I, I think I, I will say that this year, I, I believe that the uh, discussions about the Delta variant were probably somewhat accurate in terms of its level of of how contagious the virus was. I think last year when you and I talked, we we had dealt with approximately at the time we spoke. Uh, 150 to 200 cases of COVID, and we had zero cases where we had a close contact of an infected individual in school that actually contracted the virus. This year, a little bit different. We we have nine. I can tell you, I see how many cases I've had so far. 111 cases, so we've had 12 that have uh, been close contacts that have, uh, so roughly about 10% that have uh, contracted the virus here uh, as being a close contact at school. Still, uh, it, it's not a super spreader situation for sure, uh, by definition. You know, it certainly is different than it was last year, for sure. All right. I understand that they've really kind of been very specific on what is considered a close contact and, you know, the social spacing in the classrooms and so on. So is it down to, what, five feet or with a mask or three feet with a mask? What is it now for you guys? Yeah, it is the, the, the for close contact and contact tracing, it still remains at six feet. Okay. Uh, we are permitted within our classrooms to have the students spaced out at a distance of three feet as feasible. Uh, in some situations, that's not feasible for us, so we often have to relocate classes or do things along those lines to keep those kids spread out, but uh, it still remains at six feet for close contacts. Are they going to the cafeteria for lunch, or are they eating on oh, the, yeah. at their desk? Yeah. Okay. Students are eating. We do have, they call them sneeze guards, plastic guards okay. inside the cafeteria. Um, there are, is assigned seating that will help us contact trace if we do have a case that, uh, that pops up, but yeah, we, we still have the kids going and eating. I, I would think that, uh, you know, especially for a great sports school like Fort LaBeouf is having full capacity in the auditorium has been really nice. Uh, it has definitely been a breath of fresh air for our community. It was very difficult last year for families, uh, families of athletes and, you know, just the kids in general. There's something very special about playing in front of a crowd of people and and enjoying that experience as a high school kid, a high school athlete. Um, this year, it's been, it's been normal in a sense that, you know, we masking is required in the state as well as the Erie County Health Department does require that indoors in all of our schools. Parents seem to be responding to that. Um, you know, like a, a lot of the issues out there, there is always uh, <coughs> uh, individuals who, who may not agree with that decision. But, uh, you know, in, in our particular circumstance, it's the best we can do to keep moving forward and keep providing those experiences for our kids. So, uh, you know, so there, so people that are coming to, let's say the volleyball game, they just wear a mask. The, the girls, uh, put their masks on when they're sitting on the, uh, you know, on the bench, uh, but they were able to play without the mask. Uh, what about, uh, performing arts, music, dance, singing, you know? Yeah, we, uh, we have, we, we do have some events coming up and the kids are currently practicing for that. Um, we try to keep them spaced out 
uh, in a manner. So when they are engaging in those activities, we don't require that they, they wear a mask. Um, uh, right now is marching band. So marching band is outdoors. So there's no issues there uh, for us to be concerned of. And, and we want to, you know, as we do athletics, this is an extracurricular experience for these kids. So we want to give them the best opportunity that we can. So, so what do you, I'm down to my last four minutes with Rick Emmerich. What do you see as kind of being the big hurdles in front of you? What keeps you up at night as you go into second and third quarter uh, in the winter months? Again, Waterford gets a lot of snow and, and, you know, those, those, those school buses will be packed. Uh, It's just, there's just a lot that goes on. I think everything that you just listed is part of what keeps me up at night, Joel. Um, I think that uh, right now the greatest challenge I think we have is that we're continuing to have a large number of quarantine kids that are quarantined. And as we talked about earlier, that's not the ideal situation. Um, They get their best education, their best interaction, uh, both socially and academically here with us. And, you know, today we've actually quarantined uh, just over 880 people here this year as a result of of contact tracing COVID-19 and doing these case investigations. And uh, just to, just to be clear, if a, if a teacher is quarantined, they're not teaching from home over the computer, right? Or are they? We do have situations because it, we, we set it up, Joel, because we wanted to make sure that if, if, because of the staffing shortages that we have, if somebody is, is quarantined and they, they are not sick, we give them the opportunity to teach their classes uh, via online to their students while they're here at school. Wow. Um, okay. Did that very early in the pandemic, and our staff has been really great about that. Um, we've had people that have gotten COVID that just don't feel up to it, which creates a different scenario that we respond to. But our, our teachers have been wonderful in that capacity, and um, and we continue to do that and provide that opportunity. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Finish your thought though about uh, moving forward as well. I think we talked a little bit about the staffing. I think that concerns me significantly um, because there's a lot of services that we provide here each day um, uh, from academics to transportation, to nutrition, to health, mental health services, to just, you know, just a laundry list of items that we do. And without having the appropriate staff to do that, that is a, a, certainly a hurdle, several hurdles that we have to cross and and do that on a daily basis. Uh, We just put out a letter today to our community uh, recruiting for various vacancies that we have in the district to get the word out um, to see if we have some folks or family members that might be interested in joining our team here. Uh, we, we're in that position where we need folks. We need uh, folks to commit to the kids and our families here at Fort LaBeouf. Do you get a sense, again, we're not going to solve all the world's problems, but again, you're my expert and you're here with me. So, uh, I mean, I asked, you know, I asked the questions of the uh, of the folks at the universities. I asked the same questions of, of those in the hospitals. I mean, it seems like anything that deals with human services, person-on-person interaction, that seems to be where we have the greatest workforce shortages right now. I would agree with that. And I think it's probably really complex too. I think like we talked earlier, it can range from their feelings about uh, COVID itself, uh, whether they be very anxious about that, or maybe it's underlying health conditions. Maybe it's, uh, you know, the the fact that it's just a lot more pressure than what it once was in in our, in our field. And uh, it's just hard to say, I, I, I can't put my finger on it, but I think you're right. 
Well, it's 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 about getting that uh, 12-year-old to imagine themselves as a teacher or as a nurse mm-hmm. and or as a social worker to help uh, little kids that are troubled. I mean, uh, because it's got to start in middle school to, to start uh, – doing that uh, career investigation. And, and again, that's what I'm hoping that the, the COVID is not hurting is this idea of discovery. What, what is my life going to be like? You know, you guys, you guys are involved with the VOTEC uh, with Erie County Technical School. But again, sure. all that stuff has to stay on track, doesn't it, Rick? Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, the train cannot stop uh, because of this virus. We've got to continue to push forward. Uh, we all understand our enlistment obligations in terms of trying to make sure that we're continuing to support our kids and our families. Uh, everybody out there is, is truly doing the best that they can. Um, in our situation, I'm really proud of, of our community. I'm proud of our school, our, our, our teachers, our administrators, everybody, our, everybody that's involved in this organization has gone above and beyond to make things happen here. Um, and it, it's just a, you know, really proud to be a part of that and, and continue to move forward. Well, it's an exceptional school with an exceptional reputation. Rick Emmerich, the superintendent of schools for the Fort LaBeouf School District. I I really appreciate you taking the time out to kind of give us an update, and we wish you well. And all of your colleagues, I mean, we think about the tens of thousands of children that are really dependent on being able to have have a successful school year this year. Well, I appreciate it, Joel, and and I'd be happy to come on anytime. Hopefully in the next couple of months we see – uh, the, the virus continue to recede and, and maybe we'll have some normalcy here over the holidays. I'm hoping that's the case. Me too. You and me both. You've been listening to The Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast from TalkErie.com. Subscribe to our show on your favorite podcatcher and get involved by emailing joel at TalkErie.com. <laughs>